Welcome to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour, and your co-host, Richard Geiger. Well, hello, pudding people. We have, uh, we have yet another wonderful episode for you because we have yet another wonderful guest. We've uh, been lucky in the last uh, several days to be able to talk to some awesome people. Today, we have our friend, Steve Walbrecht. Say hello. <laughs> say hello to everybody. Hello. That's right. <laughs> hello. Is that my cue? Is that my line? That okay. is your that is your cue. That as as much as a cue it can be. Now, um, perfect. We uh, we we have uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of people on here. As we were talking a little bit before we got started, that may or may not be completely familiar with you. And I I try and describe to uh, the individuals that I know and friends that I have for people that don't know who Steve Wolbrecht is. As as a man of many hats, he uh, he kind of is a jack of all <laughs> trades, and and when it comes to uh, a variety of things, you are an artist, a musician, and uh, sometimes actor. Is that fairly accurate? Uh, sure. <laughs> I'll, 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 go, I'll go with that. That was very complimentary. I will, I will take that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, well. To, to to be fair, you are our first interviewed yes. individual that actually has an IMDb entry. Ooh, yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. It, have you? It's uh, it's an honor to be the first. Yes, that's right. So, um, so uh, right now uh, you are heavily uh, heavily uh, intertwined with a couple of different uh, uh, groups. Um, uh, one of which yep. being uh, uh, Zombie Orpheus Entertainment, and another being Dead Gentleman. Um, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about kind of what you do and who those groups are, and kind of how it all works together. Sure. So, uh, yes, I am a member, or otherwise a heavy participant. Or yes, uh, I, I was I was one of the founding members of a company called Dead Gentleman Productions. Uh, we formed in 1999. Uh, we, most of us, the group, uh, we met in, in, in college. Most of, uh, we went to a Lutheran school, uh, uh, Lutheran private college, I called Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington. That's kind of near Seattle, for those of you uh, abroad. And <laughs> so we uh, we kind of met. We, we were a bunch of kind of geeky guys um, that enjoyed gaming that's kind of how our social group kind of formed uh, around role-playing games and such uh, so we how, how we kind of formed up is uh, one of our members uh, got, got really sick just before finals he got he got sick with mono and we didn't see him for like a week week and a half and so just before finals week in college you know so like you're you know nose down in the books and everything else we, we, sh- we shot this, this silly little movie called The Kidnapping of Toad. Toad being the Super Mario Brothers character, um, so, you know, with a little mushroom head. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were playing, we were playing uh, Super Mario Kart, or Mario Kart 64. Like, that was, like, the game of choice. So that even, you know, kind of puts us, dates us even more. Good choice. And, good, uh, good game. And Matt, who had gotten sick, he had a little Toad plush doll that he would kind of sit up by the TV. So when he played, he would, like, cheer to the toad plush doll and the doll would cheer him on and so anyway he would do voices and stuff. <laughs> really. um, so we filmed this, uh, this, this video um, called The Kidnapping of Toad and where a, a guy 
came in, kidnapped Toad, held him for ransom, um, demanded ransom from Matt Mantle. Uh, Matt did not get the ransom in time, and so the uh, terror, the terrorist kidnapper guy uh, killed Toad, hung him. Um, and we, so yes, we, we, we put a plush on the noose. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shroom aside, and, yeah. understandable. Uh, and and then we serve. Then we then we, we then, then the, the the last of the video is the, is the, the kidnapper cutting up the plush doll, um, and then we serve the plush doll to Matt on a pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and, and, and we had actually bought another plush doll, and then, you know, so we actually then gave him the, his real one back and stuff. And he, he was uh, a morbidly shocked. I think it just kind of kind of the whole thing. Wait, um, and B was really impressed that we were able to do this the week before finals with, with, with just, you know, hey, let's just basically improv this and go. So he, his wheels started turning about and like, well, what, what, if we had, what if we had a script? Matt was a writer. A couple of us in the group were, uh, were actors. We had the one, uh, one, one of our members of the group or uh, friends of the group was the one uh, film major at Pacific Lutheran University because he wrote his own major to do that. So we're like, okay, let's do this. So uh, the following spring, we, we shot our first movie, which is called Demon Hunters. And it's a uh, Ghostbusters meets Monty Python horror comedy, way more towards comedy than horror. So... It's the story of the Brotherhood of the Celestial Torch uh, as, as they go after a demon that gets loose on the campus of a college. Uh, Convenient, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the, the Brotherhood of the Celestial Torch goes after him and tries to stop him. So, um, that's kind of how the group kind of kind of formed. We shot, we shot the movie. Um, this was at a time where digital media had just come online. And I just got hit the price point where it was economically feasible for students and basically everybody to film on. Had we, had we shot this, had we tried to shoot that project on actual film, which even just a couple of years prior, we would have, that would have been the only choice to do, it would have cost $75,000 just in the cost of the film. Mm-hmm. Like in purchasing the film, not even editing and all you know all the costs for that associated with that seventy five thousand dollars just from buying the film. We were able to shoot the entire Demon Hunters movie for I think just around three thousand dollars or so. That's impressive. So you can see that. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a big improvement. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how the group started, and eleven or twelve features and. Uh, Online web series and movies later, we're we're still still doing it. So, um, so you all went to the same same college. What was what was your degree in? <laughs> Great question. Uh, my degree was in math and statistics. See, and that and that's why math is important, kids. Because if you <laughs> if you just pay attention, you too can be part of a really entertaining enterprise. And uh, has uh, you'll just never use it again. But still, you'll have that in your back pocket. <laughs> yes, it'll help you with seventy-five thousand is greater than three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So well, what exactly. what was originally your plan? If you were going for for a math degree and then this this kind of happened, what originally you stepped into college? You know, a couple of years in, you thought you were going where? I coming into college, I I knew I was going towards. Ma- I, I I think I started as a math and computer science major. Is kind of what I wanted to explore. Um, I tried the computer science, but there was too much sitting at a computer and coding, which mm. I enjoyed, but I'm an extreme extrovert, too, so that much time at a computer just by myself, I just didn't really sit sit well with me, so, yeah. um, but I, did, I stuck, with the, stuck with the math, and um, graduating, I was figuring possibly going into, like, actuarial science, like, hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm the sick I, my, my brain is weird, wired in a weird way, um, where I, I like I would enjoy taking the SAT section or the math section of the SAT for fun on a Saturday afternoon. Like <laughs> that would be enjoyable for me. Like just that problem solving aspect, just that's fun. And other people are like, "You are the devil." <laughs> well, uh, um, Nothing says it can't yeah. be both be true. You know, just <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive. That's, that's uh, right. So I mean. There, there is that point. So, um, so I, I will say that while I, I do wear many hats with that gentleman in Zombie Orchestra Entertainment, um, only one of our guys does this full time. Everybody else, this is like you know, so, you know, late nights, weekend warrior, side project type stuff for us. Um, so, like, so I, I, I have a day, I, I have a day job and and everybody else except for the one guy do as well so um, well you yeah, know so, so there is that 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 well the uh, I will say this uh, the the passion always showed through it's uh, one of the reasons that it, yeah. uh, it one of the reasons it kind of uh, kept my attention and I've always uh, in, enjoyed uh, enjoyed your products and uh, supporting uh, the the creation of, of something uh, something different something a little fresher Um so, so okay. So, dead gentleman, zombie Orpheus. What's the difference? Yes. Uh, good question. We are, we are now one company again. So, uh, zombie Orpheus and Dead Gentleman Productions are the same company. Um, we had to spin up a new company, Zombie Orpheus. We started as Dead Gentleman. We created Zombie Orpheus Entertainment um, because of some contractual hurdles we had to maneuver around um we uh for our second gamers movie for those of you that know you're gonna be like oh yeah i know that one for those of you that don't i'll let me give you the quick history kind of like where the movie's gotta fall um so we shot demon hunters so quick tangent and i'll get to the i'll get to the um to the two companies there okay okay Uh, so uh we shot demon hunters and we premiered that the fall. Uh, we shot. We shot that the spring of '99, spring of uh, 1999. Um, that edited Ben Dobbins edited it over over the summer, uh, and then we premiered it the, that that fall. And we had something I think like four screenings or something over a weekend, and those immediately sold out. And we had to add something like eight or twelve more. Like we were we were we were starting screenings at midnight. Hmm? Uh, on this week, I mean, we were just back to back, and just people like people loved it. And, and you, you got to understand, this is 
six years, six or seven years before YouTube comes out. Like movies, like this was this was not a thing. This like again, price point for digital media that just came online. Like this is this is a new thing. So for people to see this movie that was shot by a bunch of their classmates, whether or not they knew us or not, that took place partially on the campus of their. I mean, they were just. This is great. Plus, it's a very good, very fun and entertaining movie. Like it's 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 a very a very campy, um, but also very entertaining. A lot of good jokes. Yeah. So, um, so that that went over really well. So the, we everyone was saying, "Hey, well, we should we should shoot a sequel." But they're like, "Yeah, let's let's do another one." Um, and the only problem was uh, number one, based on where the story left off, we could not shoot at at the campus again. We couldn't shoot at PLU again. So we had to shoot off 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 campus. Mm-hmm. And number two, I had graduated. I, I was the oldest one of the group. Um, and the and, and I was gone. I was I was gonna be living up in the mountains for a year. And so mm-hmm. they're like, well and I was one of the co I was one of the co stars. I was one of the two leads in the in the film. So they were like, well and you know, we'd have to go off campus and Steve's gone. Let's go to Steve. <laughs> so they came Makes up. Sense. They came up, and so we shot the sequel to Demon Hunters, Demon Hunters Dead Camper Lake, up in the mountains in the winter. So we're running around in eight feet of snow and like live in this little split village place. Um, <laughs> and so it, it was great. So it was it was remarkably different than a you know college campus in spring, as we were up in the mountains in winter. So it it, it worked out very well there. So uh, so that was number two, and then. Uh, while that one was being edited, we shot this. Sh- we shot a short, uh, short movie called The Gamers, which is uh, about role playing games. It's four guys sitting around the table playing Dungeons and Dragons. Cut to the same four guys dressed up as their characters in the game world, acting out what their character or what their players are saying that they do. So it, it, it and it, it just looks at the comedic situations that are created and that that, that come about in role playing games. So just funny stuff. Remember, we all met. You know, kind of. I mean, I, I kind of like our core activity was gaming, like in some way, shape, or form. So, so doing this was natural to us. Like, you know, it, that was just us playing around. Like that was pretty easy. And and that one exploded. That 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 movie just just took off and and, and stuff. So we were getting called by. Um, like local papers and stuff, and you know that that kind of thing. Like, hey, this is, this is doing really well, and um, just fans everywhere. Those who really gravitated to this. Um, so that one went over really well. So after that, we shot the sequel to the the gamers, which was the gamers' darkness rising, and that one uh, that one kind of kind of legitimized us in a way. Um, that one was we, we actually got a distri- distributor down in down in LA that was distributing the film. We were available on Netflix for many years through them, and you know that one kind of hey like no we actually have we have stuff we have a distributor we we, we feel so posh and we feel so old <laughs> you've made it great we we've, we've made it we have a distributor <laughs> so <laughs> um, so now tangent reconnects. So the reason why we have two companies, that distributor, um, that distributor went bankrupt in 2008 when the economy really took a dive, and they used 
a lot, they use our funds and our proceeds from our film sales to keep themselves afloat for an extra month or two, um, and then never paid us back and then declared bankruptcy. So we had no, we had no money coming in. So per our contracts for the film, for the Darkness Rising film, um, People, uh, some professionals, uh, some professionals took, took deferred payments, and they needed to get paid back first. Long story short, we didn't have money for taxes. I mean, like nothing. Any little trickle that we had coming in had we had to pay our people. Like we want to honor that, we had to pay that. So, Zombie Orpheus kind of spun up as the distributor for Dead Gentleman Productions, and because of that, then Zombie Orpheus could then take a cut as the distributor, and then we could use that to pay our taxes. And yay, everyone's happy. <laughs> the IRS is getting the no money that we're giving them for taxes. Anyway. <laughs> Well, that, that definitely can, can clear it up because I know even a lot of people that are regular fans of gaming and attend the conventions yeah. don't always kind of understand that, that division and how complicated uh, things can become very, very quickly. Right, and Ken, I, I only know that because I'm actually reading a flow chart that was given to me because I didn't really understand it fully. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was kind of convoluted and from the outside looking in, as, as you said, it, it, it is confusing for, for the fan base. But and most people just just assume it's the same company. I mean, it, it's all the same people, kind of thing. So they're like, I don't understand what. So yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, that's what it is. But just recently, um, Dead Gentleman was we, we merged back. So Dead Gentleman is now just like a umbrella within Zombie Archers. Well, what what type in kind of speaking on some of those things? What type of um, advantage or disadvantage did doing all this stuff in Washington have compared to maybe some other location in California, or maybe shoot, even if it would have been on the East Coast? Uh, good question. Shooting in Washington, basically, shooting here, we had all of our local contacts that we had. Um, and we're still, I mean, we're still, I mean, we're, we're certainly not a big, I mean, we're not, a, I wouldn't even say studio. We're not a big studio. We're not a studio. We're, we're you know, we're a small film house kind of thing. So we don't have large, you know, large budgets to do. And a lot of the stuff we can just, do, we would we, we use our contacts to, uh, you know, be able to, you know, shoot places for one, um, you know, connections through the park districts. Uh, up here in Washington and whatnot. So it, it being one of them where, hey, that, that was an advantage. Hey, we can go shoot in this park because they're saying that we can. Yay, that's, yeah. that's great. So, um, and and we do a lot of our stuff in-house. Um, like a lot of our actors are, we tend to tap some of the same actors you know, within house, and, but we certainly do casting calls as well. Um, so that is also an advantage of kind of staying up in the area. All of us have roots here. You know, our families are here or whatnot, or, or you know, this is where we've chosen to live uh, as far as Washington State. That said, we're kind of, we are spread out. There, I mean, we're from top to bottom, like, you know, the max distance away, we're probably four and a half hours away. Like, people are spread out that far away from each other. That's quite a bit. So we're not, yeah, so, and, and it's not too bad, but, but we're, not, we're not, like, all in the same town. 
and we're not like all going to the office and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So that that's been the advantage. I think just we're able to tap into tap into the connections and stuff that we have. Well, was were most of the the folks then also from the that greater Washington area? Like, did did everybody go to school there because it was kind of a local thing, or did you have some people that came in from other states? Yeah, we've we've grown the core the core group probably is about let me see. There's a there's five of us. Uh, I say there's five of us of the original group of around eighteen or so that are still actively doing this on a if not a daily or weekly, at least a monthly basis. Like I mean, they're, they're, we're doing you know like work towards something often. Um, and beyond that, like, yeah, we've had a number of other people come in through the industry. So, no, not going to the same college. Other people went to school on the East Coast or, or, you know, wherever they grew up or in California or something, and now they're here, that kind of thing. So, yeah, the, the, the group started kind of core, you know, group of friends. Even then, some other people that went to different schools but that were friends of ours that kind of came in and started helping when we initially started. But then... As as we've grown here, it's it's becoming it's becoming more of a we you know people that are doing it professionally have certainly stepped up, um, and 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 we've snowballed as it were with just people that we've worked with around us. So, you know, so you've got this this core group of people, almost a family that you've kind of developed over this uh, period of time, coming up with with all this stuff and. Um, you know, you're you're generally represented at Gen Con every year. You know, at least I I yes. see you guys at Gen Con every year. Are there? Have you tried to also make a present a presence at other conventions? What? Uh, uh, how how far do you tend to try and stretch your visibility in the in the gaming world of conventions? Oh, good question. We Gen Con is. Gen Con is, is our flagship convention that, that, that we go to. Um, so that, that's, that's certainly the biggest one that every year, we're, you know, we're, we're planning out. Uh, Chris Odie is our, uh, uh, he, he does all the planning for the conventions, or he's, he's the spearhead uh, production manager basically for that. And he, yeah, he's planning, you know, he's already planning, you know, over a year out. So in July, this past year, but even before, Gen Con in August, he was already planning for the next one. So he, I mean, he's already looking ahead. So that that is our big one. Um, way back way back when, when we were you know kind of starting up, uh, Chris and I actually you know had heard about this convention thing called Gen Con. We're like, oh, well that sounds pretty interesting, and we had never been. We, you know, we, we kind of heard you know, hey, yeah, there's a big thing. Yeah, you guys should go. And so we brought that we brought that to the company and, and said, hey, you know, we should go. Like we should we should go and sell. Right at this time, the gamers had just come out on VHS. Ooh, <laughs> cool. So we had the gamers. We had Dead Camper. Uh, yeah, no, I think we just had the gamers. Yeah, we just had the gamers on VHS. We may have had them on DVD. I can't remember the first year. Um, um, yeah, the DVD was the new thing coming out. Uh, uh, so but, but we were like, hey, you know, we, we should go. This is out. This is popular. You know, we should try to do, do this. And 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 every everybody else, everyone to a T was like, no, no, we, no, we can't afford it. No, that's crazy. Why, why would we do that? Like, no, no, no. 
And Chris and I are like, no, no, please, no, 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 really, this, this seems like a really good opportunity. No, we just, this doesn't, no, it, it's not going to make, it doesn't make sense. No, we're like, okay, fine, fine, fine. If Chris and I pay for us to go out, can we get reimbursed with the proceeds that come in from the sales? I mean, can you at least just pay us back, like for that? Oh, okay, fine, do, you know, okay, 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 we'll do that, we'll, we'll do that. And, and so we went out, and and I think there were four of us that went out, Chris, myself, and a couple other guys, um, and maybe maybe a fifth that then joined this letter, because um, he was visiting family out in the area, I believe, and, and, and we were absolutely floored, floored by, A, how many people knew about us, and B, how freaking excited everybody was. Like, it was like, what? I had, I had, we had no idea if people enjoyed it this much. This is, this, wow. So, and, and we ended up making, we ended up making back our, our costs, I think, you know, by one o'clock on the first day of the hmm. four-day con. Like, I mean, it was, we were just like, whoa, like, okay, you see, this is worth it. And I believe that was 2004, 2003, 2004 or so. And we've been going back almost every year since. So. Well, um, it's, that that's our big flagship flagship one. So yeah. So so it definitely seems like you've established a bit of a relationship with Gen Con because at least for those of us that go, you always seem to have prime placing in in the, oh. in the main floor. <laughs> sure, sure. That's uh, so yeah. How it works uh, for for Gen Con is um, there's you get priority points for how many years that you've been. And how many years that you bought a booth? So the longer you go, the more priority you have. Oh. And it was just, yeah. And it was just a couple of years ago that that corner spot. So for those of you that don't know, at, at GenCon we're booth one hundred and one, or booth one hundred, I think. Or like we are in the corner, like we are the cornerstone of the of the convention and stuff. So <laughs> and Kitty Kitty Corner to us is this massive, I don't know, fifty by fifty booth for for Paizo. Yeah, and they're they're. They're very, very large in the gaming industry, too. Um, so they're kind of, for those of you that don't know, they're kind of like Amazon. They're kind of like Amazon for the gaming industry, like the online, that kind of online marketplace. And they have, and they produce their own content and their own games and stuff, too. Their Pathfinder is huge, and Starfinder just came out and, and stuff. And if you don't know what those are, don't worry. We'll not we'll be a test at the end. That, that's cool. Um, so yeah, so that quarter booth came open uh, like three years ago or something, and Chris Odi was monitoring and then snatched that up and was like, nope, we're here. So yeah, yeah, that 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 is a definitely very impressive. Now I can't speak for every gaming convention. I've I've gone to several. Some are uh, some are larger than others. I mean, Gen Con is is just ridiculously massive so kind of tying that back to the original question i mean you're at gen con pretty much every year is it is it a a a decent return on investment to go to other conventions do do you end up seeing to seeing to seem to make sense to get to some of those places where maybe people can't always travel out to to indianapolis or uh, uh onto the west coast for some of the some of the bigger conventions right Early on, when we, when we, after Gen Con and after people kind of started hearing about us, we, we were invited to a number of different conventions to come show the movies, 
you know, and, and as our as our movie library grew, that kind of you know again snowballed a little bit as far as people wanting us to come out and hang out and, and show the movies and whatnot. So in the early years, I was doing the, I was the convention uh, coordinator for that, and we were we were going out to 10, 11, 12 different conventions, kind of all over small conventions at a college campus, uh, you know, kind of other larger ones, um, but everywhere like. You know, middle of Ohio, I think we had one in Vermont, I mean, there was one in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, just kind of all, we, we sent, I'd send two or three guys out to, you know, you know, all these conventions. And the thing was that worked well for us is, uh, uh, A, uh, we didn't have, like, really solid career jobs yet, so we had that flexibility to, to, to do all that travel. And for those conventions that were happening as well, we were able to, like, they, they, they would help, you know, they would help get us out there, you know, like a little bit of money towards our airfare, and then they would certainly pay for our hotel and some of the di- some of the meals, a dinner or two or something. So it wasn't a big expense for us to do, um, and we had the time to do it. So, so yeah, that worked out well. And then we would usually be given a, uh, a booth to sell some of our DVDs, and we, we've always... Again, like we we were gamers, like we get it. Yeah. And so, like when people when people would come up and like fanboy out to us, like oh my gosh, you're awesome! <laughs> like, thanks, you're we're awkward too a little bit. Or, I mean, just like we understood, we understood that 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 like fanboy, that like excitement of like, God, you're just great. Like, like we understood that because we had those feelings towards other groups and other people too. So. Um, so like we we would just love sign autographs like yeah tell me about your character what do you you know what do you got all that kind of stuff so um, <laughs> it it was great to just you know to just nerd out with with the fans and yeah so that was always fun and that's that's one aspect we got to do in those smaller conventions a lot we we'd have more time to do that so um, there there was there was one convention that uh, Don Early. Who plays uh, Who plays Silent Jim in the Demon Hunter movies? Uh, he and I went out to a convention. Uh, I mentioned one. I forget exactly. It was. It was in Ohio, um, and this was like in 2005, 2006, or something. And and we went out there, and and so we had a little booth, and uh, uh, Monty Cook and Sean Reynolds, Sean K. Reynolds, were both at the convention as well, and we had kind of met them, kind of through, you know through the gamers and whatnot, and. Both of them ended up having um, having parts in our Gamers Darkness Rising movie, and they're they were both industry like you know gurus and just awesome people and just like oh my gosh this is cool. So I have this picture and both of them are sitting on the floor at this convention going through tubs of minis <laughs> as they're looking as they're looking over and trying to find ones that would fit you know or ones that they wanted to collect or something. Like, these two awesome writers, awesome game designer guys, who, you know, have all these books with their names on them and stuff, and they're just, and they're just like, just like, you know, I I guess normal people, or just like other, you know, just like the stuff that we do, just like sitting down, looking through types of gaming stuff, just like, hey, what's going on? So, yeah, so that type of stuff for the small conventions was, uh, we were able to do that when, uh, when it was early on. Now that we all have careers and stuff, it's, it's a lot harder. Um, but that said, uh, we did a 
we took our um, our live improv show that we do called The Gamers Live. We do two shows of that at uh, Gen Con every year now. Um, and we were we were invited and we took that on the road to a convention in Mobile, Alabama um, over July 4th this past year. So, um, yeah, so we're still making some of those conventions, just not as... Uh, not as, not, not as often as we were back in the day. So, Do you still, in those conventions like Gen Con, do you still yeah. at this point see those same returns that you had those, you know, 15 years ago, 14 years ago? Returns as in, uh, in uh, as, as sales? As far as sales and then like, uh, you know, like seeing the same faces, that type of stuff? Yeah, I, I am terrible with names. I, I'm terrible with names, uh, but I will remember your face for years. So it, it's always a joy to see the same. Like, yeah, there are a lot of the, the same usual suspects that we'll always see, that we see every year, and and it's and it's always great to see them and, and stuff. They're they're uh, yeah, and to chat with them, you know, it's like, hey, you're yeah, it's the Gen Con, you know, hey, we're seeing your Gen Con again. This is great. So the uh, we still. Surprisingly, like we we still people will still buy the movies and stuff, and we'll still I mean they're still interested. But we've we've also come out with many other uh, uh, titles and sequels and other projects and stuff. Um, so there, you know, almost every year or two we'll have uh, yeah yeah we'll have a new a new movie out or, or, or something. So and then that'll be um, people will be excited about that and um, yeah and so that'll that'll kind of be the new kind of the new thing at that convention. Nice. So I, I like to dig in also on some of the, I don't know, the more basic fun questions, right? So sure. uh, <clears throat> back in the day when you were going to school, what were, just to, this gives us an idea on the type of stuff to compare us or ourselves or everybody listening to, what was your, what were you listening to? Like what was on your... I guess it still could have been a CD player at the time. You know, yeah. like, what were you... Yep, uh, yep, 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 iPod. Yep. Uh, what were you listening to back then? What was I listening to? Um, I was a... I am still a big Dave Matthews fan. fan. So uh, I was listening to, yeah, their Under the Table of Dreaming album, and Crash came out when I was in college, too, so listening to that. Um, yeah, I... So... One of the hats that I wear uh, with the company now is I'm the lead composer, so I do all the scores for most of the films that we do. Not all of them. I don't have the bandwidth now to do to do all of them. Um, and quite quite honestly, there are some films that we're doing where uh, there are composers that are a better fit to handle those, which I'm happy to be. Yep, get the job done better than I could. Do it. Awesome. Um, so. Yeah, so music is very yeah. So I, I'm I'm listening to eclectic weird stuff sometimes. So uh, like English choirs, like Cambridge singers um, out at Cambridge College, uh, they're awesome. Lady Smith Black Mombaza, uh, South South African group that recorded with Paul Simon on his Graceline album. Have CDs of them. Paul Simon, huge fan. Um, Billy Joel, I'm a piano player, so that kind of fits a little bit there. Mm. And yeah, yeah that, that, those are probably the big ones. 
Well, it's definitely definitely a, a good good insight because you know music kind of reflects the personality or at least informs somewhat. So you yeah. say you, you play the you play the piano. Is that the the prime instrument, the only instrument, or do you do you try and branch out and and go in uh, other directions? You, a lot of composers that I've talked to over the years tend to well, I play brass, I play, you know, some woodwinds and you know, they feel like I feel that I need to know each of these instruments very well so that I can put them in. Is that kind of you or with the digital age are you basically able to get everything you need without having to go that route? Uh, certainly option B. <laughs> certainly with the digital age I'm able to cheat and I don't have to know and I if I have a question, I can Google, hey, how high can the violin play, you know, et cetera, or what is the range of a viola, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm, able to, I'm able to get away with, I, I can do, because I'm proficient with the piano, I can, I can uh, yeah, I, I can make that work. So the, the digital studio that I have, um, I'm able to, I, what, I, what I'm able to do is I'm able to load in um, the rough or the lock cut of whatever project we just finished. Um, so I will have that in, and then that is in the program that I'm scoring with. So then when I hit play or when I hit record, the movie will play, and then I can play along with it, and it will record what, it will record my keystrokes onto into the computer and onto the onto the uh, the score page. Uh, what I'm then able to do is. Oh, I, I missed a note here, so I will go back in and I will move. Okay, this note just needs to move a little bit over here. Okay, that one with it over here. I didn't really like that as trumpet. Let's see, what if I make that? How about we make that flute? No, okay, that didn't. Okay, and I'm uh, maybe let's try oboe. Uh, oboe. Okay, that that works. <laughs> so I'm able to then shift everything around, have complete control over um, over all the play of the instrument. So. That said, I did do a lot of listening to other instruments to get a better idea of how they played. So uh, one mistake that, uh, that a lot of composers, or not, sorry, not a mistake, one learning curve hurdle that a lot of composers have is uh, they don't play in a way that is realistic to the point of, you know, that oboe player, they need to breathe. Mm. They'll just have the notes just continue like, oh, it's like, well, no, the, and the flautist needs to breathe a lot because half, only half of their air is going into making the instrument sound. Half of it is blowing over the top. So they need, you know, they need, so working in breaths, that was one thing that I had to learn. Like, oh, of course, that's right. People so, would never be uh, able to recreate your music, yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's like, no, you would have died. You would have died or you have a lot, you have like a bellows in your tummy just like pushing the air in. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that that was that was one of the that was one of the uh, oh right. So I did a lot of listening to instruments to get my idea of how they naturally played, and then tried to then emulate that when I was doing that with uh, with my digital setup. What's what's the time frame on doing a, a typical score for one of your projects? I like to put in my contract that I have a minimum of three months for a two-hour feature. Um, and, and again, that's, that's because this isn't the full-time gig. This is, yeah. you know, I, I, I will score in the evenings kind of thing. So uh, that's kind of, and that's been somewhat typical for our timeline for post-production. So, uh, how, for those that don't know how post-production works is after the editor has finished the film, 
uh, you know, finish editing it, uh, it is now the locked cut. Locked meaning the timeline will not change from this point. And then in parallel, that locked cut, excuse me, that locked cut is sent to three different departments. It's sent to music, sent to me. Uh, it's sent to sound, so all the voices, all the sound effects, you know, all, all the noises, sent to sound. And then it's sent to um, special effects, digital effects. And then in parallel, all three of those departments work on their individual pieces. So when I'm done, I will hand off to the sound, sound guy, sound girl, um, here, you know, here's my score. And then they will insert that into their timeline and then balance the score against their audio that they've massaged and created. Um, and then kind of, and then for, for pieces where we all need to work together, like if there's a big explosion happening on camera, the special effects people will need to say, hey, this is what I'm doing for this. The sound guys need to know, oh, okay, is it an explosion of fire? Is it an explosion of electricity? You know, that kind of stuff. So they can match that to sound. And then also score-wise, like, hey, I have a big score beat but I'll, that I was going to go, I was going to land right here. But you know what? If we're going to have a big explosion, I'll back that out and then I'll score around that. So we, there is communication between the three departments. Mm. We film the the stuff that we've worked on together to, to be able to kind of, you know, get to those times where we're going to be overlapping, sync up and understand where each is going to be, where each, each of us is headed. So, uh, so, yeah, so about three months typically is what we've been working with. So I saw Richard doing a little digging here and there, and he came across an interesting picture that uh Uh (laughs) (laughs) i'm like uh okay well a picture of what ken interesting (laughs) but not embarrassing not necessarily embarrassing depending upon uh exactly uh what it is that you would consider embarrassing um he he came across a uh a picture in front of a large uh marquee uh with uh, the words uh america's got talent on it oh yes uh, yes, and, 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 and I am one of the lads in a tuxedo standing beneath that marquee, correct? That sounds, uh, sounds accurate to me, absolutely. <laughs> yes, that would, yeah, that I, yeah, um, again, one of the many hats, I guess. Uh, yeah, um, I appeared on America's Got Talent, um, with, uh, the men's chorus that I, that I was singing with, the Illumi Men's Chorale. So, so they had uh, they had auditions here in Seattle. Uh, I forget which season that was for, um, but uh, but yeah, and we went and auditioned, and they said, yeah, that seems fine. Yeah, yeah, you guys seem fun. Let's let's try that out. So we uh, we sang yeah, a choral arrangement. We sang a choral arrangement of Britney Spears' "Hit Me Baby One More Time." That was arranged <laughs> by one of our guys. Nice. And and it was, it brought the house down. The people loved it. All three judges, uh, let's hear, it was Howie Mandel and Pierce Brosnan. No, no uh, Pierce Morgan. And, <laughs> Very different. Uh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 wait, different. No, that would have been different. And, uh... Would have been uh, what? Uh, yeah, Sharon Osbourne at that point, yeah. Yeah, yeah Sharon. I was like, Shelly? No, Sharon. Um, it was, those were the judges at the time. And they, they loved it. They, they passed us on to, to go down to Las Vegas to move on in the show. So, That's incredibly uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. We never actually went to Vegas. We never actually was that like we, um, 
yeah, we had we, we, we had gotten gotten ready to go. They'd gotten all our all of our names for plane tickets and had everything ready to go. Um, and then said, no, actually, never mind. We're done. Um, <laughs> and we're like, okay, okay, cool. So, uh, that's, that's fine. That would be a little uh, uh, disappointing. It was it was okay with me because um, the uh, and I'll say this rightfully so. Uh, to, to, to a point, uh, the show cl- will claim, but if you make it to a certain level on the show, uh, they uh, then they own everything that you do in media at, uh, once you make it to a certain point of the show. Because basically, you know, they're claiming that your your fame was direct a direct result of their show, so they own everything you do. And so that would have possibly retroactively had them own everything that I was working on. Not re- Sorry, not retroactively, but anything that I was working on or going to be working on, they would own. So that was going to get very messy for that gentleman in Zombie Orpheus as far as what I could do. Like, I would not be able to score anything. I would not be able to be in anything. I wouldn't be able to participate in anything. So... There was a point, had, had we gone past uh, Vegas and made it back to L.A., I think that's where the final was that year, uh, that I, I would have been dropping out. I would have been like, awesome, guys, I got I to gotta go. This is great, you know, for, <laughs> Kit, for, 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 for Kim, who's like a guitar player in high school, who, you know, like really wants to make it and like has a story and has like nothing, you know, nothing to lose kind of thing. The, the group of us, like, most, half of the group are professional singers and, like, have careers and, like, have vocal studios and stuff. So they were like, man, this is fun. This is awesome. Sorry. This is awesome. And this is fun. But we're not going to, you know, we're not going to roll, you know, you know, turn over our entire, you know, like, life's work thus far, you, you know, and, and, yeah. and not be in control of that anymore. So yeah, that'd, be a, that'd be a bitter, bitter pill to swallow, right? That'd be just... Yeah, I mean, just, and from what gain? I mean, it was like I said, you know, like that, you know, high schooler Kim, like that's that's a huge gain for her, and yeah, the rest was there. So yeah, but yeah, it would have been a little bit a bitter pill to swallow for sure. So, but yeah, it was it was cool. We actually made it on the air. Like we actually we were actually on the air. Um, so we got to got to see us for a little bit there. So yeah, in, in like our you know fifteen second slot or whatever. So. Um, but yeah, yeah. Bucket list check off. I appeared on national TV, so I can I can I can check that one off. <laughs> and and on. not in a car chase or, or <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. Well, yes, thank you. Yes, I mean that was option F or G or H <laughs> to get on there. But yes, we did not have to go to such extreme measures for sure. So, um, all right. So to kind of to kind of pull back just for a moment, I, I kind of had a little bit of a question when I was doing a little digging here and there and trying to say, okay, what did I know? What did I not know? Um, so okay. I became more I became more aware of everything around the time of gamers and uh, and uh, the, the sequel to gamers. But so uh-huh. you the the character that you played in Darkness Rising was a character by the name of Nodwick. Correct. So Nodwick, the uh, the individual that carried all of the loot, that character, yeah, the, the henchman, absolutely, that character yeah. predated that film. Correct. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So 
how exactly did you? Uh, I thought I saw something like originally the 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 character started in like 1998 as part of just the series that was being done. How did you uh, how did you manage to to work that character in? Was it just something you kind of knew these guys? It's like, hey, it'd be neat if we had this character, or is, was it just kind of intended to be a tribute? And he thought it was kind of you know funny or what? How did that happen? So the the character Nodwick. Is, uh, is from a comic book series uh, penned by Aaron Williams. And we, we, were, we were kind of kind of aware of the comic. Like, I, I had seen the comic book in, in gaming stores and whatnot. Um, when gamers kind of hit, like, we, we became kind of this, like, flagship entity for the entire gaming industry. Like, and, and, um, with all with all due humility and stuff, we, we were kind of like the rock stars of the gaming industry for, for, for a bit. And, and, and just because, like, that was awesome. Like, this was the first time for, for the gamers. This was the first time that someone had done a true to like like true to the heart gamers film that that actually got it and that did it in a way that didn't that didn't poke that poked fun at themselves, but laughed with them. In other words, it wasn't making fun of the gamers and sh- so showing how, wow, how geeky, nerdy, awkward you guys are. It, it, it was more just like, it was, it was a tribute to and an actual, accurate portrayal of gamers. So we kind of became this kind of like, you guys are great. You did it right. Thank you. This is what we've been waiting for for years. And, and, us being who we are, we immediately turned that around when we started doing the getting ready for the sequel of like, hey, we're all excited about this. Come along with us. Like, come here. Like, hey, Goodman Games, you want to write a module about the adventure that Lodge is writing in the film? Great. Do that. You know, like, we, and like, everybody come along. And Aaron Williams offered, hey, if you, hey, if you want to use Nodwick, that, yeah, use Nodwick. We're like, <laughs> Holy crap! Yes, that'd be great. And then, and then in auditions, I was lucky enough to land that role. That's so I, I got to, yeah. So I got to play, got to play Nodwick for for Darkness Rising. Yeah, that that is uh, that I had I had only kind of a smattering clue of the the association, and so reading into that a little bit, it seemed like a kind of a fun. Uh, sandwich of, of different bits of, of gamer geekiness kind of all put together in a, in a fun way that, that just resonated. Oh, it was so much fun. Like, um, for those of you that haven't seen the film, I, I, I apologize uh, for references I'm going to throw at you right now and the few others that I've already done. Um, but if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Lots of our stuff is. Uh, so, yes, you can go, you can go watch it. Um, but like, uh, there's a point where Cass is going through Nodwick's chest, and he's pulling out all these items, and the items are from Munchkin. And so, you know, like, they're actual cards that in that game that you can play with. So, yeah. we were like, hey, can we use them? Everyone's like, yes, use our stuff. And, like, and again, like, the module from Goodman Games, like, all, the, all these things, we were, we were just, like, like, to the moon excited about just bringing along and lifting up together like this 
industry and this genre that we loved so much, that we were a part of, that we existed in, and to bring everybody else with us and just to, to, to just uplift everybody with that in a fun and honorable way. Like, it, it, we, it was awesome. Like, it was so much fun to do. And, and there were all those little things, like this reference from this game or, like, this thing from that and all, all the things. So, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the one thing about playing Nogwick, though, is that I actually had a character that pre-existed. Everybody else had new characters. I had one that actually <laughs> was a character. So I so I, I got, I can't even remember, but I got a large number of comics and read, you know, like read through them to get a better understanding of Nogwick because I'm like, I'm actually playing an actual character. I mean, it's a fictitious character, but, or a fictional character, but it's a, it's an actual character thing. Well, so I have to yeah. try to do this. Yeah. So, so like in my performance, like I'm actually like hit. I, I tried to like hit some of the po- more common poses that Nodwick uses. So yeah. Anyway, that was that was how I tried to bring him to the screen. Was trying to emulate his actions from the comic. So yeah. yeah. So that was. It's definitely different, though, in a film, too, though. It, 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 in a, in a role-playing scenario, you generally don't want to be the one person that's given the existing pre-made character. In a movie, right. it's not so bad. <laughs> no, no. As long as I have material to go with, sure. And then, okay, but then, but then you got to get it right. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you, you've... Uh, we, we talked a little bit about... The games that you guys, so like you guys would get together and play games, and obviously in in knowing some of these characters and some of the other games, like there was a, a lot of exposure to different games and genres. Well, what what ones were you and your friends playing that kind of really got you into this, you know, this genre to, to kind of build that knowledge base and and really get excited about it? My best friend in high school uh, his name was Britton Ward uh, I'm sure he's not listening but if he is hey Britton um, he uh, uh, he and his brother had had some second edition D&D books and they were like hey do you want to play and I was like that sounds really awesome let, 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 let me check with my parents because I had heard about the uh, like all the religious <laughs> stuff that went off and Jack Chick and all, all the you know the uh Satanic panic stuff. Yeah. I had heard about that. I didn't really know. And talking parents, they're like, "Yeah, sure. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, if, if you get weird, we'll tell you to stop. But yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> so, and, yeah, and that was fun. And this was high school, so I was reading uh, the Lord of the Rings series and stuff. So you know, I was I was getting into this fantasy, this fantasy genre. Just like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And, had read C.S. Lewis uh, and the Chronicles of Narnia series, like that was read to me as, as a younger child. Um, so it was really excited. So, so, so my first, my first character, my first D&D character was uh, was a ranger named Strider. You know, because that's, that's what you do when you're you have no exposure. You know, I, I'm going to emulate what I see, so I'm going to play Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. So, um, so that that kind of kicked off, and then. By, by again, just a huge amount of serendipity and, and all the things. Um, there's a, a, at least, you know, 20, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, there was a, a little company called Wizards of the Coast 
um, that, <laughs> thank you for the chuckle, uh, that actually is out here near the Seattle area, or in Renton. Um, you don't need to know where that is. It's near Seattle. And they make Dungeons & Dragons. And so, long story short, um, I ended up in a playtesting group um, every Thursday with the designers and developers of the game. Um, who one of them was my friend, and then he got a job there, and then I had kind of known a couple other guys. So I ended up playtesting for uh, for 3.5, for a chunk of 3.5, and then for fourth edition. That was the uh, I, I was one of the one of the lead playtesting groups for uh, for that. So it's kind of always been Dungeons and Dragons for me personally, as far as just how the gaming goes. Just kind of how I ended up. Um, where my friends ended up and kind of the opportunities that I ended up with, with the, uh, with the play testing and such. So fun. <sighs> okay. Yeah. So we're kind of winding down in our time frame. We try and keep it to a, a more listenable chunk, uh, because we, uh, we have this, uh, thought that occasionally people start to zone out around an hour. So, oh, I zoned out about 20 minutes ago. So, yeah, I can understand that. That sounds about right. Sure. One of the things <laughs> I wanted to make sure to ask before we uh, finished, and I was prodded by another individual. So, this will be a two part question, I guess. Um, okay. I, and, and I think they're basically, uh, basically related. Uh, I was told to ask about the Fantasy Network first. Oh, yes. Okay. And what about it? Uh, what, uh, um, that's as far as it got. It says, ask him about the Fantasy uh, Network. Ask him about like the a- Fantasy Network. Uh, the Fantasy Network is, uh, is a platform that just launched, uh, I think just a couple weeks ago, uh, just right around Gen Con, where it's basically, uh, to boil it down, it is like Netflix for fantasy films. So all of our content will be available there if it isn't already, or we're in the process there, as well as a lot of other, uh, a lot of other uh, podcasts and uh, online series shows will be will be there as well, all within kind of like the fantasy uh, fantasy genre. So I'm very excited there because now it's kind of like one stop shopping for hey, if that's what you're looking for, then you can watch that. So yes. Now, is this in any way related to or kind of a, a not a sister project, but in in a similar mental vein as? some of the uh, things going on with like the Strowlers project or anything like that, this, this open world concept uh, that seems to be having been created where everybody can share in the same big sandbox uh, and create for the same reality. Can I believe so? I, I believe that the fantasy network is such that you can, Hey, I have this movie project that I did. It's about a barbarian that gets, you know, that gets lost on a football team or, you know, whatever. And I believe that they are able to, hey, I would like to get this, you know, some exposure. I'd like to get this up under the network. Um, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but as I understand, that's, I think that's the intent Mm. is to get that, get that exposure just to kind of get that kind of, again, that kind of one stop, hey, here you go. This is what I want to go for my fantasy. Uh, fantasy genre flicks and such. So, well, cool. That definitely sounds yeah. like something that'll be interesting. Um, so that that's a brand new, just like from the ground up, scratch creation, or has it been around for a little bit? I 
I don't know. I heard uh, the big thing is uh, at at GenCon we were announcing that it was launching. Like that was the word that was used. <laughs> so I I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think it's a new thing. A new thing. But, but there there were just a number of already uh, of um, uh, of shows that were already a part of that. So it could also have meant that we were launching our content on the fantasy network together at that time. So, yeah, those those questions are great questions, a little bit above my pay grade. (laughs) Our pay pay grade is very minimal. So (laughs) that doesn't take much to be above the pay grade, just to to kind of fill that. (laughs) Well, 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 I'm sure we'll eventually get there. Maybe I'll be able to, uh, get you know the five minutes that uh, ben dobbins has uh, in a given week to <laughs> to track him down yeah. and ask him oh and good yeah and and and, and honestly, like good luck to you like and like seriously like pulling for you because yeah that that is about all the time that that boy has <laughs> for 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 all, all the things so yeah yeah yeah, he is a busy, busy man. Ben, Ben, if I wasn't clear, Ben is the CEO of Zombie Orpheus Entertainment, um, and he's the one guy that is doing this full time. Like that is his gig, is filmmaking. Like that, that that's it. So you can generally yeah. recognize him at any given convention. He is the one that looks like he has uh, all of the stress that he's carrying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 Ben will be fine if I say this too. So, but and. He's carrying probably 200% less stress than he ever has been carrying before. So you should have seen him about 15 years ago. I mean, it was like this ball of electricity that just kind of spun in. Yeah, anyway. Oh, my word. He's he's even, he's he's, he's mellow. We all like, man, you're so much more mellow. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That is, yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. He works hard. He works very, very hard. Well, I just wanted to, uh, I want to thank you very much for uh, coming on and talking to us for a little while and sharing just a little little slice of pie of uh, what it is to be you and how you play into this uh, interesting uh, interesting world and a group of people and and uh, just letting us know a little more about, uh, about uh, what it means to, to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, happy to happy to share the stories and yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, maybe uh, maybe we'll just we would love to have you back sometime. And uh, so, if somebody wants to see some of uh, some of your work, this is the part where we kind of get the the things that you want to plug. Any any websites, any uh, Facebooks, anything like that. This is uh, oh sure. Yeah. Uh, so all. Most of our, our, our big films are available on Amazon, Amazon Prime, as I said. Um, but we also we also we took on the model of having our stuff available for free. Like it's a, uh, we're under the Creative Commons license, uh, and so if you like this stuff and you want to write you want to write fan fiction within that world, you are welcome to do so. We're not going to slap you with copyright stuff. No, it, it's open for everybody. So a lot of our stuff, if not all of our stuff, is also available on YouTube. You can just look for uh, Zombie Orpheus Entertainment or Dead Gentleman Productions that you will find it that way. So, um, okay, particularly, uh, I, I will give the plug of um, the, the, the music that I've done for the, 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 the scoring and stuff. 
Uh, I actually won a uh, Best Original Score award out of LA for the Journey Quest series. Um, I'm the composer for that online web series. So, uh, so th- that was unexpected and awesome. That is awesome. Uh, nice. so, yeah, so the music there is pretty fun. So Journey Quest seasons one, two, and three. Um, are available now, and uh, seasons four and five are will be kickstarting within the year. So you can kind of keep keep uh, up to date on our Zombie Orpheus Facebook page on when those will be launching. That is fantastic. Funny. Well, uh, hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to talk again here in the future, and uh, hope you continue to prosper. And and uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get to see you. Maybe Nodwick will come back again at some point. <laughs> I am under NDA, so I will just say thank you for having me on the show, Um, and it has been a pleasure talking with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right.